What's going on, everybody? Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's Eve. I go, well, we're recording on New Year's Eve. This is going to come out in 2023, so we'll see you next year. Happy New Year's, everybody. Um, <laughs> Wade and I recording this Saturday morning. Post this has been Astro Show. Wade's first encounter with the band oh. that opens this podcast on a regular basis. <laughs> My brother, uh, I got a picture of it. Uh, his Apple Watch sent him a loud environment warning because the sound had hit 100 <laughs> decibels yeah. uh, uh, and can, <clears throat> quote, temporarily cause hearing loss. Um, but yeah, so the Astros concert was great. Uh, free show this time, which is, I didn't think they would do a free show, but uh, I was very happy they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Saved, saved a couple money. Whoa. Saved a, a couple, couple dollars monies. at the door. <laughs> saved a couple monies at the door. Save some dollars at the door. You I will say, though. Beverage on the inside. I was ID'd. I know, I know. I'm only 25. I have not been ID'd in five years. I know. It's And I got ID'd last night, going with my older brother to the mansion in Kingston. Yeah. Yeah. What? Thankfully, I like I had ran into somebody at the door that I, I knew. So <laughs> I didn't get ID'd. But the last time I was at the mansion, I did get ID'd twice. They double carded me at the mansion. So if you are 26 to 27 to 28 years old, you will get carded <laughs> at the mansion. I don't understand. Uh, <clears throat> so we uh, this has been a while. We uh, had an exam break for me because I was just literally living on my laptop doing schoolwork. Yeah. And then after that, I kind of took a week to a recover. break. And- yeah, and then yeah. the holidays hit, so I had a little break for that, and here we are, and we thought, might as well just ring in the new year with something new. Yeah. Uh, something blue would be the Michigan Wolverines, which are playing in four and a half hours from our time for recording. Connor is very stressed out. I will be pacing <clears throat> from the time I jump off of this podcast until the time the ball is kicked off. Actually, I'll probably be pacing well into the game, depending on what's going on in the first quarter or two. I thought Connor's dad was going to jump a guy at the Astros concert last night. Someone had the audacity to, to go around up. the O'Neill family wearing, oh what is it, gosh. the Marcus Russell jersey? Yeah, come on. I mean, that is hilarious. It's a hilarious jersey choice. But it was the Ohio <laughs> State jersey. Gross. Man, I, I saw it when I walked in. I was like, oh, Connor's not going to be happy. <laughs> oh, I was hot. The guy was standing right in front of me, too. I was hot. It, um, but it, took, it took so much out of me not to say anything. I was like, ah. Nobody cares. No, no, well, yeah, nobody nobody cares. It's a hilarious jersey, and I just don't want to look like an ass. <laughs> Goes out to a public place and immediately starts beefing with a guy. Starts beefing with a guy Scarlet wearing an Ohio Gray. State jersey. Uh, okay, so we had quite the year, as we do our kind of year in review. Uh, started with Combines, where we got to go out. Regional Combine, Waterloo. They're a fantastic facility. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we saw some great talent, met some great guys. Uh, a lot of whom saw action in the CFL this year, like Adrian Green, the BC Lions corner. Yeah, uh, go back and check that interview out too, because he's one of the like probably I would say top five most humble guys we've talked to. Also, one of the top five most stylish guys we have ever oh had. Oh my on the god! Podcast. Did you follow him on Instagram? Yes, drip. Oh my wow. lord! Wow. Always watch out whenever they're going on a road trip. You're gonna see what he pulls up. Uh, 
So then we went from there and we went to the National Combine, where you and I got the pleasure of being on the CFL.ca live stream. That was cool. Uh, yeah. Seeing some old friends like Zach Pelios dominate at the Combine was uh, yeah. fun. And then also getting to meet some guys like Cyril Hogan Sandon, uh, Peter Kazushka. Uh, I know there's lots of old linemen. They're the nicest guys, I gotta say. <laughs> so friendly. They're like the old linemen at the combine were the guys that were coming up to us like all the time, saying like, "Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's up?" Like, man, old linemen just like I know they look big and scary and mean, but they're like some of the friendliest football players out there. <laughs> okay, so as we talk about combines, that was the last year for that style. Of CFL yeah, big big announcement uh earlier well a little bit earlier in the November in the season yeah. yeah uh we are now moving to essentially an east west bowl style um both south of the border and north of the border style of of combine where it's you do your testing sure that's great but then you get three four days of practice and you're running full half line skelly full skelly one on ones inside run. <clears throat> one-on-ones for O-line, D-line. I'm excited for it. I know uh, there have been some criticisms over like, oh, well, the injury risk with going four or five days. And I want to hear your take on that because I I do have my own opinions. Yeah, I mean, mean, there's injury risk anytime you step foot on a football field, whether it's a combine, whether you're running a 40, whether you're, you know, going full game – Guys get non, non-contact knee injuries on turf all the time. There is injury risk as soon as you put your cleats on that turf. So I understand the the points being made for, you know, there's injury risk. It's, it's a long event, whatever. But that is also the nature of football. I know it's what like a four or five day event now, and there is some arguments for injury risk, but I don't think that I, I think that this is something that would have been looked at and calculated and talked about and discussed, and it wouldn't have been put into motion, let alone making it all the way through to an actual physical. This is how we're doing it now stage. Uh, if you know, they didn't evaluate how much injury risk there actually is. So I, I understand some of that talk, but I don't know. I don't necessarily know how much of an injury risk there is or how much of an increase of an injury risk there there is? Uh, to me, I, I go the other way. And what we had to watch guys go through, especially last year in the Dome where the heat kicked out. Uh, yeah. It was kind of chilly. Is you had a lot of guys going start and stop. And not just start and stop while they're waiting in line for the next joke. It's start, do your drill. You have to do your stop and start in that. Yeah. But then you're stopping for hours while you wait and wait and wait and especially some of the skill guys like dbs and receivers who go last on the day that's a tough ask is you have to wait and essentially warm up your body a second time to then stand around and wait and try to stay loose as you go through individual drills and one-on-ones where you may not get <clears throat> too many reps uh in succession unless you're doing call outs and they well who was it was it uh Rodine brown that made go four in a row or three in a row um, yeah, oh, yeah, I think so. But when you when you look at the the ability to go and do this full week style, a you get more interview times for the teams. Yeah. B if you have one bad day, it's not completely weighted against you because you can make it up in other practice sessions. And C, you don't have to do all that. You warm up. You maybe have to 
run yourself through a normal practice and have normal wait times like you would in a season, but you're not having that massive gap in hours yeah. where you have to refuel, rehydrate, restretch. Oh, and you also want to be talking to other people, other coaches, uh, scouts. So I, I think this is going to benefit teams who get more of a clear picture, yeah. uh, but also the players who don't have to go through so much physically on one day. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be an interesting process. I think that there's some backlash on it right now just because the world doesn't like change. People don't like how <clears throat> things change. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. Long term. I and think... we see how we see how successful the Senior Bowl is south of the border. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Like, the Senior Bowl produces so many NFL talents. Justin Herbert, to name one, who was MVP of the Senior Bowl. Do you think that gave the NFL teams a clear look as to who Justin Herbert was? There was questions about his leadership. He goes into the Senior Bowl, takes over for a week, is the best damn player in Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> it gets MVP, and Chargers end up getting the franchise quarterback, one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. So I would argue, like, the best young quarterback in the league. I don't know. I think there's different styles. I guess, yeah. I mean, like, there's Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow. <laughs> Joe Burrow. I, I, yeah. I think Joe Burrow is very good as well, but, like, I said completely different style, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Joe, Joe Burrow is much more of like the sit in the pocket, work the pocket, yeah. manipulate the pocket. Even though he's not that unathletic. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he can get out and move, but he doesn't do it like Justin Herbert does. True. Uh, all right. So this year, as we look at 2023, the combine, <laughs> let me get my calendar up here because I have it penciled in. Uh, March 22nd to the 26th. Hoorah. Edmonton. Foot field. Uh we're trying to go. We're, we will hopefully, hopefully. be there. Uh, <laughs> but the CFL Combine will be mid-March, the so same time as it was uh, last year. It's just stretched out over the week instead. Uh, <clears throat> and that's that's something that we are looking forward to. We're getting our draft 100 set up for the first round. Uh, hopefully by mid to late January, we'll have that ready to go for you guys as well. 1.0. We're getting into draft season, and I am super excited about it. All right. Next on the year in review, we had CFL talk because the season started, obviously, uh, on time this year. Round of applause. <laughs> it started on time. Uh, <clears throat> interesting. Most interesting part of the CFL season to you? It's a good question. Most interesting part of the CFL season to me? The <laughs> The the rise, fall, and rise of the Toronto Argonauts. <laughs> rise at the second half, indeed. Uh, eventual Grey Cup winners, of course. It was it was crazy. Like I like there was points in the season where I'm like, man, like this is one this of the best team teams in the sucks. CFL. And, and there was points in the season where I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but like, yeah. So I, I think. Just Toronto's path to winning the Grey Cup, I think, is one of the most interesting things to me this year. And especially having to, like, you bring in Andrew Harris, you lose him 10 weeks into the season, and then he comes back and does Andrew Harris things and helps get you to and win a Grey Cup. It was a, it was a great story. It was a great story. Uh, all right. I'm going with Kid Canada as the favorite thing, favorite story of 2022. Uh, where we really had high hopes of him coming in. How did I not just, go with Nathan Rourke? What am I doing? Right through the ceiling right of those expectations. Yeah. Uh, and 
now he's obviously got some very warranted NFL interest uh, after coming off of his foot injury and still showing some great uh, juice in the playoffs. I don't know. I'm really excited for Nathan Rourke's next endeavors, whether it's north of the border, south of the border. Yeah. I like it doesn't matter to me. I'm still going to be a fan and watch. But Curtis Rourke, Dude. is he coming up next? He's we'll got a. See. I don't know. He's got a bit of a different nickname. They've already coined the Maple Missile for him down in Ohio. It's because they didn't want us coming up with a showstopper of a nickname for the guy again. No, they, they, I think we tapped ourselves out at Kid Canada. I think that was like... I wouldn't have wanted to try to follow that one. Right? The best and only thing that we'll ever come up with. We're done. We're Thank done you. giving nicknames out. <laughs> Maybe we'll have another one. Uh, well, we okay, do have so the Mustard Tiger. We do have the Mustard Tiger. The biggest what if from the CFL season for you? What if Zach Caleros didn't roll his ankle? <laughs> oh, gosh. What if Zach Claros did not roll his ankle in the Western final? Oh, that's a good one. You know, it's a, it's a good debate because they were still real close, right? Like it was just that. But then again, Chad Kelly, nobody would have saw that coming. Uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I also saw a report where someone said that it, it might be a matter of when, not if Chad Kelly takes over the locker room. That's and if crazy. I'm McLeod Bethel Thompson, I'm kind of sitting there like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I have been one of the top passers. I've been one of the top passers in the CFL for two consecutive seasons. And you're still trying to replace me? <laughs> I'd be so fed up. I don't know if it's true or not. I imagine Chad Kelly is a great talent. And the Argos will want to find a way to keep him on the roster. But have to. As his star keeps rising, yeah. uh, It'll be tougher and tougher for him. Uh, my what if? If Jeremiah Mazzoli does oh, not get dude. his leg broken by Garrett Marino, the, I'm going to say it, idiot. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think the Red Blacks season ends up like it does. I don't think Bob Dice is the head coach. And I certainly think that they're actually a playoff team. We saw... They were the hanging. offense was starting to get there. Yeah. The red zone offense was slowly coming along. And then Mazzoli got hurt against Saskatchewan. And it was just, just off a cliff, Caleb Evans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when we look at that and just kind of go, uh, okay, where does, where does this go? Where does this come from? <sighs> They're going back to him next year. And to me, that's that's yeah. the one where I'm like, okay, if if it's really going to be that big of a change and the new coaching staff still wants him, that's where I'm kind of of the mind, yeah, this would have been a completely different season. Yeah, that's a really good one. And I, I can't help but agree. And we but right before we were having a little bit of laptop issues here, you were saying like, how different would it have been if it was maybe only a two to four week injury or like a four to six week injury versus a season ending injury, which I also can't help but agree with. I think the the injury to Jeremiah Masoli changed the entire course of this season for the 2022 Ottawa Red Blacks. And I know it wasn't the season they wanted. I know it was a less than desirable season, but I think with that being said, there's still some positivity to come out of it because I do think that Bob Dice was a great coaching hire for the red blacks. He like, he's been there a, a long time. 
He has a lot of respect in that locker room and players seem to gravitate towards him. When he got the interim job, like there was a, like, I know players came out and said, yeah, we're still playing for Lapo. We also love Lapo, but when they were playing under dice as well, there's some grit. There was an edge. There was a, there was some attitude too. So I think dice long-term will be a, a pretty solid coaching hire. Hopefully anyways, I mean, it's tough to sit here and, and say, yeah, he's going to be a great coaching hire. Nobody knows that, but I think there's some potential and there's some optimism for the Red Blacks entering 2023 for sure. Not to mention the slew Um, of great hires they made. Yeah. Shout out to, can I take a, speaking of coaching hires, can I take one, one second here to shout out coach Nate Taylor from the university of Ottawa, who I had basically my whole time while I served on the scout team at Ottawa, coach Nate was that dude he is i think i've been open about this like on the podcast before but coach nate was heads and tails one of my favorite coaches at ottawa he's one of my favorite coaches that i've had i had a great experience under him and i know i'm not the only one and now he's getting a well-deserved shot in the cfl and i think he's the running backs coach coach. yeah Mm -hmm. so uh yeah just wanted to take a quick minute to say congratulations to coach Nate Taylor. It's well-deserved. And I was super happy to see that. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to the U sports season now as they overlap. Uh, biggest or favorite moment from U sports. Favorite moment from U sports. Damn. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of great moments this year. Obviously like the Panda wins up there every year. Just got to love that. Um, us going to the season opener in Carlton and watching Corey Grant win his first game as the head coach of the Ravens against his former team was a pretty awesome moment to see in person. But I think my top moment has got to go to the limestone launcher, Alex Freakin, absolutely lowering the shoulder with an angry run. In the Yates Cup. I know they lost the game, but golly. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're done with nicknames. Ten minutes later. <laughs> the Limestone Launcher. Come on. Uh, okay, that was a great hit. Um, honestly, favorite moment of the year has to be... Uh, uh, was it Ted Cabongo's kick return? Yeah. That was a that was a wild one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go with that. Okay, game of the year. Game of the year. Um, playoffs included. You can go playoffs. Game of the year. Game of the year. Damn. Um. There's so many, so many great games. Uh. The UBC road trap was a really good one. Where they road trap that one too. Saskatchewan. That was a great game. Uh, a ton of really good games in the OUA. Um, mm-hmm. game of the year. I think my game of the year, though, it's gonna be. I'm gonna go back to the playoffs, but it's gonna be the Laval comeback. Yeah, against Western. It's the, it's the Laval. It's just the pure poise and you know veteranship of Constantine and winning culture that they were like. And the fact I know I said it a lot, but the fact that he was sitting there laughing while they were down, <laughs> and then he came back and won. I was like, golly. Yeah, thanks. Uh, no, yeah, I'm with you. I was. If you're taking that one, I'll take. Uh... Oh, God. 
Love, see, Laval had so many great, like the the Rouge game, the Concordia one. Yeah, no, no, no. The the Rouge game against Montreal to win the Dunsmore Cup. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. They also had. There's also the walk off winner from Montreal against Laval. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Sherbrooke like, upsetting Montreal is a good one too in the RC. Yeah. Uh, that like there's so many different games. Even in Can West, we had Regina. Uh, and uh, Sask was really good yeah. uh, this year as well. Uh, yeah, I'll probably stick with that UBC road trap game, though, where they they got up early on Sask, and then it was just – Sask came back, and it was just a battle, and it came down literally to the last play of the game. Um, so I'll, I'll take that one. Yeah, that was – yeah, that's got to be in my, my top five U Sports games this year for sure. All right. It was a great uh, matchup. <laughs> uh, player of the year? U Sports, our player of the year? I don't think this is a secret. I don't think it's a secret to anybody, but I will let you take this because this is your guy and you turned our, me onto this road. Our effing no Dejar MFR dang. That dude. That dude. Uh, <laughs> I'm still currently waiting on my Laval Championship t shirt to come in. Uh, <laughs> I forgot you ordered that. I did too, except T. Litson still hasn't delivered the damn thing. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's just a P.O. box. The the mail doesn't even have to take it anywhere. They just slide into a slot. Um, but no, the uh, <laughs> I Arno Kevin Mittal had had a great year and well deserving of the heck. But I'm of the mind, and it's very shitty to say this, but he wasn't the only one catching the ball, and there was only one guy slinging that rock around. Kevin Mittal was by far the most outstanding player in the country. Yeah. Well-deserved heck right winner, but... But Arno is the player of the year. Yeah. Like, I, gotta, I, I gotta agree. There's a lot of times where they leaned on Mittal, but there's a lot of times where they leaned on Arno, like, even in that comeback, just to hold steady. Keep the fort. You may not get the big shots, but keep the fort. And, uh... I, I I was pushing for him from the start to be <laughs> the heck, uh, heck winner. But they uh, they decided to give it to the Arsec nod to me tall, which I was okay with. But um, no, I'm, I'm definitely going with him. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree. I think like the only thing I can do is throw some honorable mentions out there. Like, yep. yeah, Kevin Mittal, honorable mention. Evan Hillock, honorable mention. Mason Nias, honorable mention. K5, honorable mention. <laughs> the bus. The bus. The bus, honorable mention. Met right up like Riker Frank, even. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, there's even a lot, like, there's even guys that don't get a whole lot of love that. You, JP? Like, yeah, JP Simonkinda. Uh, I, I thought on Queens, there's uh, two D linemen. <clears throat> Silas Hubert. Silas. Uh, and then Darian Newell. I, I yeah. thought they were outstanding this year as well. Um, but Arno's kind of been a cup champion, you know. I uh... <laughs> He was doing things this year in, in the Quebec Conference that were just otherworldly. And even some of the throws, like, throughout, throughout the playoff runs, like, even some of the throws that he was making were ridiculous. And just yeah. the confidence in the poise and the demeanor – like again, they were down, and he was like, "Cool, whatever. Like, I'll go out there and help us win this game." 
okay, finally, uh, the what if for you sports? Can we do that? Do you think you have a what if for you sports? The what if for you sports? Uh, yeah, I got a good what if for you sports. My my what if for the U Sports season is gonna come from a playoff game again. It's gonna be the Vanity Cup. What if late in the game, what if Mason Nias threw that potential touchdown pass two inches lower? What <laughs> would that game have come to? Would it have been a Saskatchewan Huskies Vanier Cup victory? Honestly. Uh okay. My what if I'm going to the AUS for it. Okay. What if Bishops doesn't gift the game-winning touchdown to Mount A in the semifinal of the AUS. Because if you remember, that was the play. It hit the DB in the hands, said, here you go, and threw it behind himself. Essentially, not as a tip ball, but it was in his hands. Yeah. Slapped off his bricks and landed in the receiver's hands behind him for a touchdown. Yeah, uh, it was the biggest gimme touchdown I think I've ever seen. But now, A, only lost by a touchdown in the Loney Bowl. Do we have a different champion come out if it's Bishops? Or is the game even tighter than seven points? Uh, I don't know. Nobody will ever know. But my biggest what if is if that guy didn't have bricks for hands and <laughs> lay up a touchdown to the Mount A receiver. Uh, I know I'm tra- absolutely trashing a Bishop's DB right now, but uh, that's all right. That's all right. They had a good, no, they had a good season. I want to throw an did. honorable mention for the AUS for what if play of the year. What if X didn't fumble like five times in the oh, semifinal against Saskatchewan? What if X was able to actually like capitalize off of those opportunities? Oh, like let, let me pull it up here. The points off turnovers in that <laughs> game was yeah. I mean, I know Saskatchewan fumble like had their fair share of fumbles, but they over they overcame it in a sense. They won the game, so I'm gonna say yeah, they overcame it. But what if the what if the what if that was flipped where it was X that was able to you know score some points off some Saskatchewan fumbles, limit their own turnovers. You know, maybe they climb out to a 14, 20 point lead. Yeah, maybe X is was, in the uh, game instead. Even if they score one touchdown in the first half, you wonder how different is this game. I think I think the way that game was going in the first half, if X was able to score some points off some of those turnovers, like they could have buried, know. they could have buried them early. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, I don't think Saskatchewan would come out of that game. But that's not going in nice. their favor. Yeah. <laughs> Mason Ice doing Mason Ice things. I mean, the guy almost went out there and had a game-winning play in the Vanier. So it's true. Almost a perfect QBR. Almost two passes almost. away, <laughs> two incompletions away. Um, but yeah, no, even even that there was uh, was it the X X had a long touchdown dropped. I think. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, no, that's a good one. What if? X could score off some points off turnovers. Yeah. Well, also taking that U Sports itself is Nike sponsored. Three of the four national semifinalists wear Under Armour. Sask, Western. Sask, X now wears Under Armour. Do they? And Western wears Under Armour. 
Laval's the only one that's a Nike school out of the four. <laughs> Checks over stripes. Yeah, but this is the big UA. This is Dwayne Johnson's company, Connor. Uh, checks over. Side notes for all of our listeners: absolutely avoid watching Black Adam. The biggest waste of two hours I could have possibly used. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Don't plan on. Don't it. watch it. Don't plan on. I decided it. to watch it one day because I was bored. I thought I'd give Dwayne Johnson a chance. Biggest mistake. I never trust <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. I decided to be nice for once, and I regretted it immediately. Smelt with the rock was cooking, and it didn't smell very good. It smelled like Russell Wilson cooking. Oh, golly. Yeah. Russell Wilson right now is like those leftovers in the back of the fridge from like four months ago that you forgot about. I don't forget about leftovers in the fridge. You, they you don't open last. it up and it just stinks. I got I got one more, one more moment from the CFL season. Um, CFL and U Sports, I guess, that made my heart warm this year. Mr. Irrelevant in the CFL draft, Connor Burtonshaw, sticking on that roster and playing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers basically all damn season. Shout out to that guy. Burt? Yeah. The Mustard Tiger himself. And taken that he dressed more games this year, I believe, as the last pick in the CFL draft than... The Argos top pick in Deontay Knight. Yeah. I and no, I like I would have to double check that, but I think it's pretty close. Now, Deontay Knight is going to be a developable force. Yes. That's not saying that Bert is not, but I I just yeah, I mean it, it just speaks to the importance of being really damn good at special teams and or the importance of just being crazy enough to put your head down and run through walls all day long. <laughs> No, uh, absolutely big year. Three-man wall coming my way? Sure. I'll go right in the middle. I'll sink it. (laughs) Uh, No, I I like that one. Uh, Okay, what are you looking forward to in 2023? Um, A couple things. I'm going to go with the cop-out right away. I'm looking forward to seeing how the new combine plays itself out. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're both looking forward to that. It's a new... New system, new style, new way to evaluate players that I think could end up being, you know, really, really fun, first off. But also, it's going to give scouts, coaches, fans a really good look and a really different look um, at some of these athletes and their stock and abilities and different skill sets. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. Um, You ready for this? Yes. I'm going to further you on that before you continue. I'm looking forward to James Peters. Yes. At the combine. Yeah, I don't freak. even know the combine invitees, but I guarantee, Chuck Barkley guarantee that this man is going to be there and not only be there, be an absolute weapon yes. yeah. on the field. Yes. I am looking forward to it. I am here for it all will, damn day. I will double down on that. I'm excited to see him at the Shrine game too, the East-West Shrine game. Oh, he's one of the Canadians selected. Yep. Yep. Jimmy Pete, man, that guy had a hell of a season. He did. Definitely caught the eyes of uh, <clears throat> some scouts, some media personalities, and some I, Joe I, blows like us. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, like, obviously – you know, 
paying attention and being around that that team a little bit, I knew he was a baller. Like I knew he was a player. But that guy absolutely blew the doors off this season. And that surprised me. Like definitely surprised me. I knew he was a really solid player. I knew he was sound, good tackler, you know, very smart. But to come out and have a year like this, like, man, impressive for sure. Yeah, I'm uh I'm very in much anticipating his uh <clears throat> his arrival at the combines. Uh also I wouldn't mind uh <clears throat> seeing some some you know F to play up type of guys. Uh but we're gonna save those for you later as we dive into more film and make our true determination on who the F the play up guy of the draft is this year. Do we have, do we have an F the play up guy of the year since we're doing superlatives here? Oh God. Look at you throwing fancy words like superlatives. Uh I got a dictionary for Christmas. <laughs> and a thor and a thesaurus. You, you almost said a thorax. <laughs> I was gonna say Thoris. I got a dictionary and a thorus for Christmas. <laughs> uh, okay. After playoff guy idea, that's a good one. Uh, do we go with Sir Anthony Bennett from the Regina Rams? Woo! That was uh, one of my favorite guys to watch this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I, mean, I mean, like, I feel like you can throw Sassy Bear in the mix for that one. Yeah. Um, Daniel, the Queens guys. Uh yeah, I mean, like, there's a couple guys at UBC that are, are well-deserving of the, the F the Playoff guy of the year. Obviously, we had Theo Benedict winning the, G, the JP Metris Trophy. Like, Cordy Moore is a great defense lineman out there, too. So, Gio Manu? Don't throw my mon- my man Giovanni under the bus out at UBC. I wasn't. Uh, I was just looking for you. <laughs> but, no, I, I like, in terms of F the Playoff guys, there's a lot of big-time talent. Uh, I, I think this special teams circuit and the offensive line and defensive line one-on-ones are going to be wild this year at the combine. I know last year we had the fill plots that kind of electrified uh, after the testing period, because people would say that it mattered. Really? Does it matter? Cause he's down testing for NFL teams right now. Oh, but they had a slow 40. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. Tape speed is completely different. Uh, just go cut on his rookie year, or both of them. Go cut on both the rookie year highlights. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, even with Jake Mayer throwing, what was it, Marsh tweeted out, 0.3% of elite throws. <laughs> yeah, Marsh's numbers are the best. Up there with uh, DT's special teams numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, I guess I'm going with Anthony Bennett. You can take Theo Benedet if you'd like. Yeah, sure. I'll cop out. I'll take the JP winner. All right. Uh, And on that note, we're going into 2023. We're going to start getting our draft stuff rolling. uh, And we'll talk to you guys later.